working in correct time? I think it is. This writ race. This writ race. <laughs> um, sh- should we just get right into it? Yeah, I don't have anything intro to talk about. I mean, we can all day together. True. Okay, well, <laughs> one, two, ep five, five. of Avocado Toast. Uh, I'm Nicole Lotto. I'm Jesse Alperin. And today we're going to be talking about LGBT LG- rights and stuff. LGBTQ. Q plus. I-A- oh. A plus. The whole thing. The whole darn shebang. Yep. I all can never really remember all of it, so I just stop at the Q and the plus, or the T and the plus. Yeah, that's what I do whenever I write essays. Write it. Ugh, it's so long. But I don't want to, like, miss anything either. Mm-hmm. So... So, we'll start off with the news section. In the news, we felt it was appropriate to bring up um, transgender candidates that are running Heck for yeah. office. Um, now I'm, I'm going to list them all? Yeah, sure. Okay, so these are in four different places of the country because there are four of them. Well, so, there actually, there might be... More? More, yeah. Um, but there's like four that are highlighted in this article that we pulled up. Yeah, so the first one that I have is Roam. Um, who is running for District 13 uh, for Virginia's House of Delegates. Mm -hmm. Then we have Philippe Cunningham from mm, Minneapolis City um, for Ward 4 for Minneapolis City Council. That is, Yeah, I don't understand everything about the way that the government is divided. But then we have Andrea Jenkins, um, also for Minneapolis City Council, but for Ward 8. Um... And we have Mel Wymore for New York City Council District 6. Sweet. Yeah. And two of these people were actually trans people of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super exciting. So what I know the most about um, is Danica Roam. So as it was mentioned, she's running for House of Delegates in District 13 of uh, Manassas. Or no, of Virginia. She's from Manassas. She's a 32-year-old journalist and stepmom. Um... So she made history, this is, I, I will link the NBC article that I'm currently reading from, uh, in the description box below. I don't know how, to, <laughs> whatever. It, it'll get linked somewhere. Um, so she made history, she became the first transgender candidate to win a primary for Virginia's House of Delegates. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why this is, like, especially important, at least in my eyes, is that the um, man who has held that delegate position since 1992. Uh, His name is Bob Marshall. Let me double check on that just to... um, And he's held that position since 1992. And he has been known for uh, coming up with and trying to pass, like, extremely anti-LGBTQ plus um, laws, I guess, policy. Um, One of which was uh, the HBC... I think 12 or whatever. It was it was a bathroom bill, but the that, you know, stated, oh, transgender people have to use the bathroom uh, that coincides with, like, what's written on their original birth certificate, not their gender identity. <sighs> yeah. Um, but he took this a step further and um, wanted to make it so that any transgender students who ask their teachers or staff at the school to refer to them by a different name and, like, recognize them as a different gender, Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to require that, like, those staff out the student to their parents within 24 hours of, like, the incident occurring, um, which is just plain evil, if you ask me. And I... (laughs) Just thinking about, like, 
uh, Danica winning this seat and taking it from him, like, I can't imagine, like, a happier bit of news coming my (laughs) way, honestly. I really sincerely want her to win for obvious reasons of, like, policy and stuff, but also just, like, can you imagine being such a gross homophobe, um, and then having your seat stolen by someone who's queer? Yep, yep. I mean, I don't, yeah. I use queer in the sense that it's not... Yeah, like, the queer community. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just easier to say. Um, and a lot of people in the centennial like generation use the word queer and identify with the word queer. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't see it as a slur. Having uh, trans people take office like helps add to more diversity and like we need more diverse like representatives. Mm-hmm. We need representatives that look like us, mm-hmm. you know, and have perspective blocks of life. You know, like if you have more perspectives in Congress and, you know, they might not necessarily choose to always vote, like, with their constituency. They might do, like, what they feel is right. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that sort of, like, different perspective than the normative cis, white, Mm -hmm. straight male, um, it can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. More news. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of news. Sweet. Well, not that much. Um, a lot of the stuff I just wrote down, and but a lot of it is like, why did I write this down? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing is that the rewrite of the American Healthcare Act is basically the same as the House bill. Um, that Shocker. is yeah. That's from the Monday episode of whatever the um, Pod Save, Save America. America. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna reference them every time because <laughs> I just listen to them now. Um, Because they're, like, qualified people that give opinions and stuff, Mm -hmm. whereas we're unqualified. (laughs) Basically, what has been happening is that um, people who have been rewriting the bill have been getting moderates on board because they've been expanding the Medicare fade-out for over seven years instead of by 2020. So instead of three years, now the Medicare fade-out will be over the course of seven years. And so a lot of moderates are like, hmm, that sounds all right. Um, but that is, it's not all right. You should go to trumpcare10.org, um, and that is the 10 states that are on the fence about Trump care, um, and it tells you how to contact your senators. So if you are in a state that is going to be voting, I mean, they're all going to be voting on the Trump Care Act, but if you're in a state where you are worried or you think that your representative would vote Yes. Yes, on this bill, you should contact your senators. Um, however, if you go to this website and your senators are not, you know, on that list of 10 states, please don't contact them. Don't contact people who aren't your senators because you're not going to have an effect on them. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, I have Nevada coverage for all program, question mark. Um, so, I must have heard something about Nevada doing... Um, like, a healthcare program for all of its, like, citizens. That sounds cool. Yeah, um, I'll have to look into it, and I think it's really just, like, they're just thinking about it right now. I don't know if it's really been written out or, like, what has been proposed. Okay. Um, I really just wrote a lot about this Carrie (laughs) Pate... Who? (laughs) Katie Perry interview. Ah. (laughs) Um... It doesn't deserve my attention, so I'm just gonna skip it. Um, 
Power Bottoms music. What is wrong with my mouth today? Warder. <laughs> Warder. Power Burdom. Power Bottoms music is back on Spotify, which I probably wouldn't have included if this was not a queer-focused episode. Mm-hmm. But for those of you who don't know who Power Bottom is, they have been sort of like a big band in like the queer community, like very important to a lot of queer people all of their music is like men loving men and like it's really genuine and earnest um but one of the members was accused of sexual assault um and their label got mad at them for like posting stuff and like tweets responding to everything um and so they were dropped by their label oh shit and now they've either been picked back up or picked up by another label and their stuff is back on spotify um, and I just thought that that was relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it is good or bad, I am not to say. Um, then, earlier this week, there was, um, a shooting at a baseball field in, like, oh, Virginia, right? Yes, yeah. It was yeah. in, I don't remember which part of Virginia, but yeah, it was in Virginia. Um, there was, like, a scheduled, um, practice for, like, Republicans um, they were gonna play at a charity event. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the charity is, but they were practicing for that event. Um, this guy came in with a gun and he started sh- open firing. Oh, f- yeah, he started open fire on um, the people on the field. Um, representative, it was a senator, um, Steve. S- S- his- I don't know his name, but I know he's the party whip. Yeah, Steve S. Yeah, the um major party whip uh for the republicans in the senate um was critically injured i don't i don't know anything past he's in past the fact that he's in critical condition i don't know if that's changed Uh, since i last heard about it steve scalise yeah scalise scalise i think um yeah and a day ago it was saying that he was in critical condition i have no idea yeah that was yeah pretty much that's my that's the extent of my knowledge on who he is i know that um there were a bunch of like uh, security and police officers that and were also he's the injured. reason that the security was there and that not as many people were injured because he was there and since he's the party whip and he's like in the line to sort of mm-hmm. sorry my cat's meowing as i succeed trump um like that's why he had security there yeah um and i can't remember I'm pretty sure the dude who opened fire... He's been caught. He was killed. What? Yeah. Oh my god, the, what? The police killed him. Um, well, that makes sense, but yeah. I don't... Why didn't I hear that? I don't Anywhere know. on the news. I... Wow, I was not expecting that. Not yeah. Because the last few attacks, they've just been caught. Yeah, no, they, they, they took him down because he was still shooting at everyone. Um, yeah. So, um... I know that a bunch of people were hurt. Mm-hmm. The shooter was killed. Oh, and what I wanted to talk about was the shooter was anti-Trump. Yes, which, which is why he targeted a GOP event. Exactly. Um, now, obviously, we on this podcast are very liberal, as has been stated many times yes, in the Yes, but past. we're also very anti-gun. Yes. So. I think that, like, I, despite what I might think about, you know, Republican senators and mm-hmm. their policies and all that stuff, I don't think that anyone deserves to get shot yeah. on a baseball field while you're... Or anywhere, or like, anywhere, ever. If, you know, especially if you're practicing for, like, a charity event or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I... 
I, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I hate guns. I I know can't deal with it. Um, the shooter actually had a history of domestic violence, and you know how we need a gun reform. Mm -hmm. Like really, people who have history of any kind of violence shouldn't be able to get guns. Barred from getting any kind of gun. Yeah. Um, I mean, after this, the news came out, it was like, I heard about it on the radio as I was driving to work, uh-huh. and then um, one of our coworkers said to me, uh, she was talking to me about the shooting, and she was like, well, I can only hope now that since it's affected Republicans, that they would, um, you know, try and reform gun law, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's optimistic. Yeah. I, sh- I just get so, and like... We, we won't get we won't get too into this because this is not the topic of the show today. Yeah. But I think we'll probably talk about it pretty soon. Yeah, um, I just think like common sense gun control laws should not be controversial. Yeah, but in this country, it is. I just really wish that America could and by get Ameri- it together. We'll get it together, and also by America, I do mean like the Republican lawmakers that mm-hmm. are almost always the ones responsible for blocking any kind of gun control bill. Yeah. Um, I really wish that they would get over themselves and look to other countries as examples. Like, I'm contrary to what Trump might have you believe, America is not the greatest country on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and other countries like, uh, we can learn from other countries like Australia, who has common sense gun control yeah. laws and hasn't had a mass shooting since, like, the 90s or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's the tea on that. Yep. Um, <laughs> Any other news? Yes. Um, the last thing that I have is about the girl who was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. Hell yeah. Yeah, you're the one who knows the most about this, but I didn't want to bring it up. So. Yeah, so this is the case about the girl who um, convinced her then-boyfriend to kill himself. Um So this girl, Michelle Carter, who was 17 at the time, Mm -hmm. this was back in um, 2014, she um, uh, basically convinced her boyfriend, I don't know the boyfriend's first name, but I know that his last name is Roy, so I'm just going to call him Roy. So she convinced Roy to commit suicide through a series of texts, and um, it wasn't just like a one-time, like, oh, this just happened one night where, you know, he was feeling suicidal and so she decided to text him and tell him to kill himself no he had been suicidal for a long time before this incident but michelle was um consistently texting him things and like she would get mad at him when he would back out of committing suicide she constantly reassured him about any doubts that he had about committing suicide like he would tell her um he'd be like you know what am i what is what is my sister gonna do what is my mom gonna do when i'm gone and she would reassure him like i already told you i'm gonna take care of them when you're gone so just do it um that was like the basic gist of how those conversations went finally one day i think it was like june it was either june or july 12th in 2014 um roy in the morning drove his car out to a parking lot and he used like some kind of hose to like redirect the exhaust back into the car so that he would essentially die from carbon monoxide poisoning um and so like while this was happening he was texting her and she was like oh i'm so proud of you baby i'm so glad that you're doing this um at one point he got scared and actually got out of the car but she texted him and convinced him to get back into the car and then he eventually died she 
did not contact police. She didn't contact his parents. She didn't do anything, even though she knew um, where he was and what had happened. Um, the reason why she did this is because she wanted sympathy and attention from her peers. Um, she really wanted to be, like, the grieving girlfriend. So she was, um, t was it today? I think it was today. It was in the news today. Yeah. So she was just convicted of involuntary manslaughter, um, and that can be a sentence of up to 20 years in prison. Um, and the whole involuntary, Jesse and I were having a conversation about this earlier of like, why is it involuntary versus voluntary? But the reasoning of involuntary manslaughter is that she acted in like a reckless, um, like she had like a reckless behavior when she convinced Roy to get back into the car even though she knew that that could cause him harm or whatever. Yeah. Either way, I'm very glad that she got convicted. convicted. Yeah, she's got, like, 20 years in prison, I think. Yeah, well, she, it, the conviction can go up to 20 years for involuntary manslaughter. So oh, okay. I don't know uh, how many years she's been uh, given, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is that she is convicted. She waived her right to a trial by jury, so instead this was decided just by the judge... Um, and luckily the judge ruled that that is very disgusting and you need to go to jail. Yeah. So, that's that. Yeah. Um, now into the topic. I mean, I just, I don't even know where to start. There's a lot. Yeah, so we'll talk about, I mean, it should be noted that it is in fact Pride Month. Yeah, which is why we decided to do this episode. Exactly. Because it's not like anything really happened in the news for queer people recently, you know. Which is both good and bad. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But, so yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with, I mean, Stonewall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really didn't, we didn't plan this. We haven't even done this, like, kind of format of an episode in, a, like, since the second episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and we're obviously not experts on, yeah. like, you know, the gay rights movement, which I use that because we didn't in live through it, you know, exactly. and like yeah, but, but we know a lot about we it. We know a lot about it. So and and there's obviously been movements prior to like the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. or not even movements necessarily, but like there's been like queer people existed before for like <laughs> the forever. 60s and 70s, yes. Yeah, and I actually do have information on that, but that's not necessarily relevant to. Mm -hmm. um, the actual, like, known movement of the 60s and 70s, so for the sake of not wanting this podcast yeah. to go over an hour again, because we're running out of SoundCloud <laughs> minutes, yeah. um, we're, we'll just start off with, like, the major movement, mm -hmm. so yeah. we can do Stonewall. Do you know, like, specific dates in Stonewall, or? Uh, I know that it was 1969, mm -hmm. um, I know that it was around the time that, like, you could not be gay in yeah. public like they would arrest you mm -hmm. um you could be tried for all numbers of things mm -hmm. it was like way way more likely that you were going to be killed um uh and i know that the stonewall riot was led by a bunch of trans women of color mm -hmm. um and the leader was marsha p johnson mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um a bit more context for the 60s, um, Jesse was right in saying that there were many laws on the books that essentially prohibited you from being gay in any capacity. They had um, anti-sodomy laws, which some states still do have on the books. Yeah, but no is... one really enforces them anymore, which is, that's okay, but they still need to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, anti-sodomy laws, they had, um, like, clothing laws where you had to be wearing at least, I think, two or three articles of clothing that conformed to your gender. 
So What the fuck? Yeah. So if you were a dude, you better be wearing pants and, I don't know, a t-shirt. If you were a lady, you better be wearing, I don't know, a bow in your hair and a skirt. Um, yeah, and if you weren't conforming to that, you could get arrested. Um, it should be noted that a lot of this kind of gay rights activism kind of, I don't want to say it started in New York because I couldn't tell you if that's true no, or not. No, but New York and um, San Francisco were big hubs of gay people. Exactly. And um, so that's where a lot of the action was happening. Right. So especially in New York, you have Christopher Street, which mm-hmm. um, it was pretty much... Con- like conflated with like gay street where that's where mm-hmm. all of the lgbtq people would you know cruise um which I, I mean for clarity cruising is like kind of looking for hookups i guess yeah um that's where they would cruise that's just where they would hang out i've watched a lot of like documentaries about it and mm-hmm. i wish that i could more easily recall information about it but like that's the general gist of it christopher street is a historic street that saw so much change mm-hmm. um, throughout its history um, because of the gay movement. So you got Stonewall, which is on Christopher Street, or it's not. It's, it's I, called Stonewall Inn. I thought it was on Gay Street now. So I mean, it's well. I'll say that because I I know it's near like Gay Street and Waverly Place. Cause exactly. My friends have been there recently. Yeah, and I I was there recently too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I I. I want to say that it's on Christopher Street, but I might be wrong because I'm also very, very bad with geography and street names. Yeah, like, if you're looking for the Stonewall Inn, just sort of Google... Well, just Google Stonewall Inn. You can find it. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's also, thanks to Obama, it's, the Stonewall Inn has been made into a national monument. Thanks, Obama. Yes. <laughs> um, and also, uh, the Stonewall Inn is super duper small. I bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was shaken when I first saw it. Um, cause, the like, storefront looks pretty big, though. For, in pictures, yeah. but it looks tiny when you're actually in front of it. Yeah, because, um, like, I'm, and I think that the reason why my, the two images of what I had, like, in my head versus in real life is because, like, it has such a big history. So many mm-hmm. big personalities, you know, um, were in there, and it's just such a tiny place. Um, but yeah, Stonewall Inn is where the famous Stonewall riots happened. You had, it was actually Sylvia Rivera who, mm. um, as the story goes, the so more context, the police would constantly raid like gay bars um, and arrest people for violating some of the laws that we had mentioned earlier. Um, so like you were never really convicted for quote unquote being gay, but yeah. you were convicted because of like the culture that you partake in, um, which is pretty hard to escape. So a lot of police raids were constantly going on. People were getting very pissed off because oh, I'm just trying to chill, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the police raided the Stonewall Inn in 1969, right? Yeah. And um, Sylvia Rivera uh, was just pissed off about this. And she's a trans woman of color, by the way. She apparently took a shot glass and threw it at the wall and it shattered. And that was, quote, the shot glass heard around the world. Oh, my God. Um, and then Mar- Marsha P. Johnson joined mm-hmm. in, and she led everyone into the streets, and that's where, like, the rioting really started. Yeah. Finally, gay people, I don't want to say finally, but, like, gay people were actively fighting back against the police, and it really sparked the whole gay movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after that point, um, going into the 70s... Uh, so the 60s and 70s was, it was, like, sort of characterized by a lot of sort of 
Well, sexual liberation, obviously. Yes. Um, but especially in the gay community, mm-hmm. um, in the gay male community, there was almost no monogamy, mm-hmm. um, very few partnerships, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in California, which is more known for being more loosey-goosey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to read, like, a sort of a, an account mm-hmm. of life in like, gay San Francisco from, like, the 60s through the 90s, you should read Fairyland by Alicia Abbott. Um, it's the story of, uh, her growing up with her dad mm-hmm. and, like, that whole experience. But they lived on Haight-Ashbury, like, that sort of area, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, big known for, like, I'm pretty sure the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of those groups were in that general area around, like, the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes... Um, I can speak about sexual liberation in New York. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I've done a lot more, like, reading and watching stuff about San Francisco. Sweet, you can be the expert on San Francisco. (laughs) Um, so, in, so, during the 70s, um, and I'm speaking about this through a, a, like, the second wave of feminist, feminism lens, um, because that's what I'm studying, Um, so in the seventies, you had, um, the second wave of feminism happening, but it was very fractured in the sense that, um, you had like kind of the main, the mainstream like feminist group, which was mainly comprised of like white straight women. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like Betty for Dan. Yeah. Betty for Dan. She called the lesbians in the feminist movement the lavender menace. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and so Betty Friedan didn't... She was not the biggest fan of lesbians. She's a bitch. Um, I hate her. She <laughs> she founded the... I mean, this isn't exactly relevant to... Well, you know, it kind of is. So Betty Friedan um, was a second wave, very well-known uh, feminist. Um, she founded NOW, which is the National Organization for Women, which was very much dedicated to, um, you know, abortion rights mm-hmm. and um, pretty much everything that we're fighting for in this way. We're still fighting. So, like, abortion rights, uh, equal pay, yep. um, anti, um, like, sexism and anti-harassment, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. But, um, like I said, sh- now wasn't exactly known for its inclusivity. Yeah. Um. So you the lesbians were often discredited, mm-hmm. um, and so you had uh, different factions. One of which was called like the radical lesbians, who um, turfs. No, different. Yeah, radical lesbians. Well, okay. We'll we'll get into that. We'll, okay. Um, because you had like the radical lesbians, um, who formed because they felt that, like, their issues were not being heard Mm -hmm. by the mainstream feminist movement. Um, yes, pretty much all of them that I know of were, um, TERFs, which stands for Trans-Exclusive Radical Feminists. Yeah. Um, because, and the reason, I mean, the radical lesbians were, uh, pretty, like, radical, even by, like, my own standards. Really? Like, radical, radical is often attached to, like, people who kind of break norms and, um, kind of speak out against, I guess, injustices that they see. Yeah. Um, so most of the time, whenever radical gets ascribed to someone, I'm like, are they really radical or are you just a close-minded asshole? Mm-hmm. But the radical lesbians were, mm, they were very radical. What do they stand for? 
So their main thing was um, wanting to uh, fight for, like, like lesbian rights. Okay. Um, and focus on, like, lesbian issues. But they took it to the extreme in that, first of all, they, <laughs> they defined uh, lesbianism as, like, well, they didn't define it as, but, like, they basically said that lesbianism can be a choice in that, like, it's women who... If you want to just completely separate yourself from all men, you can be a lesbian and join our movement. They, uh, at one point, told women to um, disown their husbands and male children. Because um, they, they literally just wanted nothing to do with men. Which is understandable. <laughs> yeah, but it was pretty extreme, and like that's why they were a very controversial group. Mm-hmm. The reason that I bring them up is because if I can remember... They were one of the main people fighting for sex positive positivity. Yeah. So you had two rivaling uh, groups. You had um, sex positive feminists and you had anti-porn feminists. Anti-porn... What? Anti-porn feminists? Yeah. So anti-porn feminists thought that um, porn is inherently misogynistic and derogatory and um, even in um, consensual um, sexual, I guess, porn productions that might even be between, like, two women, it's still misogynistic because you're still objectifying women, and one of them has to assume the role of man anyway, which is misogynistic. Mm -hmm. Then you had sex-positive feminists, which were saying, you're wrong, queer, um, porn doesn't have to play into, um, like, you know, the sexist roles that, like, straight porn falls into. Yeah. Um, and there was also, like, uh, they were talking about, like, BDSM. They were, anti-porn feminists were very, very against BDSM, because they're, like, wow. you know, you're actively trying to hurt women, and sex-positive feminists were, like, if it's consensual, who gives a fuck? Um, yeah, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, only from, like, the view of, like, how some porns are, like, some kids' first experience with porn. Right. And, that like, was... how that can be harmful, but, yeah. like... That's not, you know, you can't control what someone's first porn is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another thing that they had mentioned, where, like, porn um, uh, fuels this idea of, like, being violent against women. Um, and they were saying, like, even, uh, like, just watching it is, like, contributing to the problem. Um, and then, like, sex-positive feminists. Sex-positive feminists' whole thing was basically just, like, if people are enjoying it and, like, aren't hurting anyone, mm-hmm. then, like, what's the problem? So, like, there was that whole thing of okay. the 70s. And the reason, so, you had, like, a lot of, I think, lesbian groups that were more sex positive. Mm-hmm. The anti-porn people were more along the lines of Betty for Dan, who still wanted to kind of keep up this, I don't want to say facade, but I can't think of another. They wanted to keep up this, like, representation. Image, image thank you. Mm-hmm. Image of, like, being, like, mm, credible, I guess? I don't know. It was just a wild time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the 80s really were not that much different up until the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Of, what was that? Was it mid-80s? Yeah, pretty much mid-80s. Yeah. It obviously started a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, but the actual, like, crisis came around Mm -hmm. mid-80s when people were dropping like flies because the disease had, um, progressed, uh, to that point. 
people um, at the time were calling it gay cancer. Yeah. Because um, gay people all around everywhere were just dying, but mm-hmm. people had no idea. Um, it caused a lot of people who were gay, but no one had, like, known. Like, let's say that they were in a relationship, like, they were married, but mm-hmm. then they were, you know, being gay when they were not going to be caught being themselves. Right. Um, a lot of those people were outed like that. Um mm-hmm. And thanks to the Ronald Reagan administration, who we have to thank for our terrible economy right now. Fuck Reagan. We also get to thank him for letting, like, hundreds and thousands of gay people die. Yeah. His silence on the AIDS epidemic uh, is one of the biggest causes as to why so many people died. It's an absolute atrocity, like, what he let happen. Yeah. He just, like, there was no... Not even an attempt to yeah. understand what this disease was, mm-hmm. why it was affected them. I'm pretty, I mean, given that he was, uh, I think, Christian, what president hasn't been Christian? I mean, yeah, but he was also, he started out as an actor, and I can do a whole episode on Reagan <laughs> because I just really hate that guy. He's the worst. Um, But, like, he should have spoken up mm-hmm. because he was an actor. He knew gay people, like... Right very closely. Yeah. He, the only reason he didn't say anything was because he wanted to keep up this image, and, like, it was just horrible because he was letting Americans die. Yeah. You know? Um, people were, like, afraid to touch other people. Yeah. They really thought that it was going to be, like, contracted just by breathing the same air as another person. hmm I know that the first kind of name... I mean, gay cancer, I think, was more colloquial. Yes, The yes. first official name for it was GRID, which is, I think, gay or something immune disease. Yeah, because it, it is an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Um, so, the, I, the, I mean, the stigma is very clear as day. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, the another thing that often goes kind of unsaid is all of the uh women oh yeah it was almost entirely gay women who helped um with the um aids crisis crisis. yeah they were it was all not all but it was like mostly 98 percent um lesbian lesbian women working as nurses people who weren't even trained as nurses Mm -hmm. helping out in these hospitals because they were seeing other gay people die Mm -hmm. and they were like someone's got to do something about this and clearly straight people just don't care about us yeah um and this was actually a big turning point Mm -hmm. in um the lgbtq plus community because Mm -hmm. before this um sort of before there was not a lot of unity. Yeah, up until, like, the 40s there was some unity, and then after that, after um, the wars, mm-hmm. it sort of, like, dissipated, and so there just became this gigantic schism between um, lesbians and gay men, because there was just, like, they have different things that they need, different things that they're fighting for, and um, gay men for a long time weren't necessarily fighting because it was sort of just like a free-for-all sexually, and then, you know, they didn't have any sort of, um, threat, you know, for them medically yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I mean, obviously some gay men, like, fell in love and stayed together, but it was, that's not the narrative that existed. Mm -hmm. Um, and gay women were very much involved in the feminist movement because it directly affected them. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas gay men didn't really care because they weren't really interacting with women. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just sort of, like, the 
way that things were like socially um, mm-hmm. for a while. And then up until the AIDS epidemic when um, lesbians were like, well, no one's going to help these gay men. They're dying. And like, that's just not right. We have to do something to help. And mm-hmm. so they're... Um, their impact on the AIDS epidemic um, helped to just sort of, like, really, really decrease the number of deaths or um, painful deaths that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, there's also accounts of um, women, like, having to bury a lot of their, a lot of gay men um, because nobody else was doing it. Uh, That's horrible. Yeah, which is really, really, but, like, at the very least, they provided some kind of burial grounds for uh, the people that were dying Oh, the whole, and I wanted to make one point about, like, the promiscuity. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about, so, like, we were just talking about unity within the LGBTQ plus community. Um, It, just like how, like, the second wave of feminism was very kind of schismed. I don't know if that's a a word, but uh, the Mm. queer community was also pretty um, broken up in the sense that uh, you had, like, um you know, the promiscuous gay men who were just living life, doing whatever they wanted, but you also had, and this kind of applies more into the 90s, but it kind of starts in the 80s, Yeah. Um, with uh, groups that wanted to kind of re, rebrand the face of, I, I mean, I spoke about this during the yeah. neoliberal thing, but it, I mean, it warrants speaking about it again. Um, you had people that wanted to rebrand the face of, like, the gay community, Um, and show, like, straight people, like, we're not all promiscuous, um, and this really rose out of the whole AIDS epidemic, um, so, yeah, there was, I just wanted to say that there was even, like, infighting, per se. Mm Mm-hmm. I Um, mean... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say that, like, um, nothing really happened in terms of, like, making the AIDS epidemic, like, go on the up and up, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. not be as devastating to the population, um, like, not have as horrible an effect on the whole community, Mm -hmm. um, until, like, the 90s or, like, the mid-90s. Which I think is when, well, actually, I don't want to say I think is when because I don't actually know, but one important, very important group, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the AIDS epidemic was ACT UP. Oh, yeah. Which is the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. Uh Uh-huh. Um, they were very, very dedicated to figuring out, like, what the hell AIDS is, Mm -hmm. why it is spreading so quickly, and trying to put a stop to that spread. So they were very, um, concerned with, like, spreading knowledge about AIDS and spreading, um, that's, the, I'm pretty sure ACT UP is one of the reasons why we, uh, we have, like, condoms that are just for free, so readily yes, available. that is why. Um, so you'll hear a lot of, like, women say, why are condoms, condoms free, free but not tampons? That's why. It's to prevent, um, death. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we're, we're obviously not saying that tampons shouldn't be free. Yeah, no, tampons would... need to be cheaper, and if we could get them to be free, that would be the best-case scenario. Yeah. Um, but it's not a life-or-death situation with tampons, yeah. unfortunately. It's a bit of I a... I mean, unfortunately, I mean, definitely fortunately, <laughs> I don't want to die from my period. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically, it's just kind of a false equivalency. It's two yeah. different kind of areas. Yeah, and, like, a lot of the reason that people, like, don't see it as that is because, um... People a lot of the times forget about the AIDS epidemic and how horrible it was, especially, you know, if they are centennials like us, like yeah. Generation Z, 
has no context for the AIDS epidemic, and honestly, most millennials don't either. Yeah. So, but I do want to, so I love AIDS documentaries, Mm -hmm. not in a sick way, I just, there, it's so much history, it just, like, makes me feel a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to recommend Vito, which is about um, a gay man who was really big in um, gay rights and stuff, and um, he ended up getting AIDS um, and passing away, but it talks a lot about his huge, huge impact on the community, Mm -hmm. um, especially during the AIDS crisis and, like, right as it was starting. Um, And then also, We Were Here. Um, Both of these movies were on Netflix, and now I don't think they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Netflix, please bring back your queer documentaries. Uh, It would be very appreciated. Yeah, like the Babadook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um... Well, uh, one thing that we failed to mention... Oh, wait, quick quick clarification. Yeah. Vito, how do you spell it? V-I-T-O. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting back over to the West Coast, we completely oh, yeah. forgot to mention very important lawmaker Harvey Milk. Oh, yeah. So there's... Totally forgot he was from the West Coast. My mind took a blank. Yeah, you're supposed to be the San Francisco <sighs> expert, Look. so you're kind of slacking. Um, <laughs> but I... Highly, highly, highly recommend the documentary, hopefully it's still on Netflix, called Milk. I think it still is. I was looking at um, gay movies and stuff recently. Good. So, Harvey Milk was a man uh, growing up in the, I mean, gay community yeah. in San Francisco. Um, he he actually, I mean, the movie kind of starts in New York, um, mm-hmm. where he meets his first partner, Cute. Don't remember what his first partner's name is. And I, well, I don't remember any of his partner's names. I just know that he, he was played by James Franco in the movie, which is not as bad James as James Franco sounds. is also in the Allen Ginsberg movie, but he's really bad and is a bad Allen Ginsberg. I just wanted to get that out there. He's also the most iconic gay man to ever walk this earth. Thank you. Uh, the only Ginsberg, Allen Ginsberg make that I care about is Kill Your Darlings. So Ugh, That's the best one. Yeah, it really is. Anyway, oh man, we can talk so much about gay movies. We really can. Um, But yeah, so Harvey Milk, whatever, met his partner uh, in New York, and they wound up in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just stumbled upon the gay community of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You know, casual, casual. Um, And so Harvey Milk actually wound up running for office in uh, his district. I wish I could tell you more, but I can never remember anything. Um, (laughs) He ran uh, many many times and kept on losing yeah um he got but he got a lot of backing from the queer community in san francisco um and i mean he his partner did wind up leaving him because he kept running and kept losing in the sense that it's not 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 because of that specifically but like um his campaigning took a lot out of him and it also oh. took up all of his time so mm-hmm. it put a huge strain on their relationship so his first partner wound up leaving um but he, and he kept harvey kept telling himself like this is the last time but it never was because he kept getting closer and closer and closer okay um until and he wound up you know taking another partner um which was played by diego luna which really shook me as well but he took a partner yes he was courted exactly <laughs> Um, Diego Luna's character is annoying as fuck, though. Anyway, um, but he eventually did win. He won, and, um, he... He was, like, the governor, right? 
San Francisco? I couldn't tell you. Mm. You can look that up if you want. Yep. Um, but then the movie kind of starts going south. The movie. His life kind of starts going south in the sense that he was making a lot of, like, progress in um, protecting LGBTQ people. Go ahead. Yeah, he was uh, on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had this uh, co-worker, I guess. Uh, I don't remember what the co-worker's name is. But um, they, the, the co-worker was very, very Christian. But they kind of created a, like, they had, like, a camaraderie mm-hmm. in the sense that they kind of promised each other, like, if you back my bill, I'll back yours. You know how it usually works. Yeah. So, unfortunately, um, the con- the co-worker backed Harvey's bill for something important. Um, oh, no. But Harvey wound up pulling out of his deal to back um, his co-worker's bill. And just, like, a lot of shit happened. And eventually, that co-worker just... He wound up getting fired. Or no, he wound up resigning. Oh. The co-worker wound up resigning because uh, his bill, like, didn't go through because it didn't, obviously didn't get enough uh, support. Yeah. He was so freaking pissed. Um, he had, like, a wife and a kid, and he eventually just kind of lost it, and he went into, spo- I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went um, into the, like, office building where they all worked. He shot the mayor, I think. Oh, what? Either the mayor or the governor, someone in a higher position of power. Um, he shot him, and then he went and found Harvey and shot Harvey to death. Um, and then uh, there was a ginormous, like, uh, funeral parade wow. in memory of Harvey. Like, immediate, there was, like, riding in the streets afterwards, mm-hmm. and then there was, like, a huge funeral procession. Uh, down the street. You can actually, they include uh, pictures of it at the end of the documentary. Um, It's very, very, like, emotionally moving, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that the co-worker, either he wasn't convicted, which caused a lot of writing, or he was convicted, but he didn't get a lot of jail time or something like that. Like, basically, like, justice was not adequately served to yeah. this dude. Um, but then I think, I think the co-worker wound up shooting himself. I don't know. It's just, like, there, so, like, I mean, you know, warning, if you want to watch this, like, there is a lot of death. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's super important. He was, I mean, there's a lot of death in, like, pretty much most of the movies that we've recommended at this point. Yeah. If you want, like, a happy-go-lucky gay movie, you should watch Fourth Man Out. Oh, really? I didn't like that one that much. Oh, I mean, at least it's happy. Yeah. I mean, um, the way he looks is also happy. <gasps> I it's so love cute. that movie. There's not that many good gay women movies, but... No, there's not. Um, the L Word is an amazing TV show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... It really leaves a lot to be desired in terms of, like, um, people of color representation and mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. trans representation... Um, but, you know, that would be the early 2000s for you. Mm-hmm. But, speaking of trans people, there was actually more visibility of trans people starting in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So the reason we haven't really been mentioning trans women is that, like, you know, first of all, just across the board, trans people are murdered at a way higher rate than, like, 
other queer people. Yes. Just, like, that's how it unfortunately is because people don't necessarily understand trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, Marsha P. Johnson was actually murdered and thrown into the- What? You didn't know that Marsha How P. do I not know anything? I know, like, some snippets. Jesse, Jesus. Yes, <laughs> Marsha P. Johnson was murdered. But what? it was ruled a suicide by police officers because people are pieces of shit. So basically, Marsha P. Johnson, um, like we said, she was a, a, a black a transgender woman, like super duper prominent mm-hmm. uh, in the queer community. I need to uh, remember like the document. Uh, oh, uh, no, I need to I need to remember like the documentary that I watched because it was so, okay. so good. But like. She was loved by pretty much everyone mm-hmm. that had ever met her. She was just so, so kind. I remember one little snippet uh, from the documentary was, like, um, Marsha would ask you, like, if you had $5, and then she'd turn right around uh, and give that $5 to, like, some other queer kid on the street who, like, oh. needed food or whatever. Like, that's just the way that she was. She would... Yeah. Yeah. She was a wonderful, wonderful person, um, but one night she was, like killed i don't remember how exactly she was murdered but her body was also thrown i think into the hudson river um and then police found her and people were like what the like she was obviously murdered yeah um but police were like it's a suicide so no justice was ever found for her that's horrible yeah but you were saying people Um, are murdered at higher rates yeah um and okay so and they were also discredited yes yeah yeah yeah. trans women have done a lot and they're almost never given credit especially even especially even great good (laughs) job um definitely in the queer community because um mm, there's a lot of turfs out there yeah there's a lot of gay men who are like not great about trans issues Mm -hmm. um nowadays it's very different nowadays most queer people are very literate about queer issues, Mm -hmm. um, and they understand the situation of trans people, but for a long time, um, other queer people didn't want anything to do with trans people. Right. Um, however, I do have a pretty happy documentary to recommend. This is just the recommendation podcast. Because there's not enough, honestly. Like, (sighs) I, do you know how much sleuthing I have to do just to find some adequate queer representation in media? It's It's horrible. It's too hard. Um, But Paris is Burning, yeah. which is probably, like, the best documentary I've ever seen. Um, but that documentary, like, was, I think it was produced, like, filmed and released in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since, it pretty much has helped gain, like... Notoriety for... Yeah, yeah. I don't... My mind was going, noticeability. I was like, that's <laughs> not a word. Yeah. Um, but, like, because it was sort of released as a documentary series on television. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it shows how important queer people are for pop culture yeah which like if you don't know that much about like where pop culture comes from it is from the queer community and specifically the queer community of people of color yes yeah um and so this movie really only focuses on um queer people of color color. it's mostly um the black drag balls yes. in New York, um, but there also are several Latina people featured. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got drag queens. It's got people who um, feel that they are another gender but don't want to transition mm-hmm. necessarily. There are people who go through with having surgery. Um, there's at least one trans sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um But it's just, like, nothing makes me feel like that movie does. Yeah. I... 
Like, really, if you're listening to this, I don't even care if you finish this podcast, like, please go watch it. Like, it's going to mean so much to you if you are not straight and not cis and you're watching this movie. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, It's just so good. I just, I love... Yes. Um, and one of the people actually featured in this documentary became um, a very successful model. Oh, yeah. I don't remember her name, though. But she transitioned and became a model. Um, she's actually a well-known Naomi? model. N- Naomi? No, not Naomi no, 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 Campbell. No. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine? That would have been that's awesome. Like, that's the only model that I know. Is Naomi <laughs> Campbell and Tyra Banks. Um, Kate Moss. Sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know. Who how many is. episodes of America's Next Top Model have I watched? Maybe all of them. Um, but um, around the 90s was when trans women started gaining more visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through, you know, today when, like, most people, they understand the word transgender. A lot of people understand what it means to be trans. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, Caitlyn Jenner brought a lot of visibility sort of because, like, um, a lot of, like, adults could see that she was an older person transitioning, um, like, an older person who's been in the public eye for a long time because she was in the Olympics Mm -hmm. way back when, um, as opposed to, like, a lot of younger people are gender-neutral, non-binary, gender-fluid, trans, all kinds of things um, that the older generations don't necessarily understand um, because they were raised in such a Mm -hmm. gender-binary... but, like, you know, you have people who are on television who are trans, like... Um, Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox. You even have that um, that girl who has a whole, like, TV show about oh, her, Jasmine? like, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, Caitlyn Jenner was on television for a long time, um, but not anymore since she and Chris have gotten divorced. Um, who else? Uh, okay, if you've seen Sense8, the actress... Who plays um, a trans woman in that show is actually trans. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure the character who plays Max in The L Word is actually a trans guy. Um, but don't fact check me on that. No, do fact. Do check fact me. check me. I mean, don't don't quote don't me. Take your That's word. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the one good thing that that show did, and for trans people, is that they showed um, that trans men do get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um. I wish, like, the whole part of the show when he was pregnant was about him. Like, mm-hmm. um, but, I mean, there's still a lot, especially in terms of, like, what trans people need from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to make name changes way more affordable. We need yeah. to make any kind of, like, surgery that is underdone um, for trans people to be always covered by insurance um and honestly just to like bring the cost down like that would be great Mm -hmm. um same with costs for all surgeries so yeah pretty much um but like if you aren't trans you have no idea what these people feel on a daily basis like the depth of self-hatred is just like unbearable and like i know several trans people and just like I mean, not to say that I'm not trans, like, I'm genderqueer, so, I mean, there's that. Right. But, like, it's different when... You're trying to present as... Yeah, when you're trying to present as another gender and people don't understand it. People, right. like, treat you terribly for it. Yeah. Um And there's, like, some people I know who use they-them pronouns and, like, people just don't respect that. People still, like, use he, she, she you yeah. know, and, um, you know, just in terms of 
other than social acceptance, we need to stop having these stupid bathroom bills. Yep. Um, we need to stop putting trans people in the prisons that they don't belong in. If you're a trans woman, you should be in a female prison. Right. Not a male prison because I actually people just a, don't understand. I have a story yeah. about that. Um, one of the, uh, uh, I guess, historical events that we had to learn about in one yeah. of my uh, classes was about Cece McDonald. Yes. Who was, you know her? Um, the name's very familiar. Yeah, so she was a trans woman uh, who got brutally attacked by this dude outside of a bar, and she wound up stabbing him, um, and I think he died. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly. say how I feel. Uh, well, no, I'm very glad. Yeah. Anyway, um... <laughs> But, so, like, he attacked her, she, uh, fought back in self-defense, and I think he wound up dying, Mm -hmm. and she got sent to prison for it, but she got sent to a male prison, which there's so many, that's just wrong. Yeah. Um, and she wrote letters from prison talking about, like, uh, the hypocrisy of Mm -hmm. media. So, she actually, the media, uh, if I can remember correctly wasn't like you know 100 percent against her they uh became more sympathetic towards her story okay um and she was like where were y'all when uh you know i was fighting for my rights you guys never speak about um you know trans deaths yeah and you never speak about any other kind of trans issues you never fight for us until it gains notoriety Mm -hmm. so like you're disgusting don't fight for me now if you're not gonna fight for me when i'm out of here yeah um but yeah, that was, that was, I don't want to say it was a turning point, but it was certainly a very important event in terms of trans, I mean, notoriety, but also, yeah. like, trans rights. Yeah. Um, also, at a higher rate, um, more trans kids who come out are put onto the street than um, just regular, regular <laughs> cis gay kids. Yeah. You know, like, um, kids who come out as just, like, gay, um, bi, whatever, mm-hmm. um, are typically... Less likely, less to likely to be on the street. Yeah, um, and homelessness is a huge problem in the LGBT community. Something like forty percent of uh-huh. homeless teens are LGBTQ plus. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's just in the U.S. I think, right? Yeah, just in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I've recently been watching Queer Britain. Um, yeah. And it's either the first or the second episode. They talk about um homeless LGBT youth, mm-hmm. um, which is a huge problem, and they go around and they like show you how being homeless has affected all these people, and some people became homeless, like, as adults, Mm -hmm. um, and some people became homeless as teens, and, like, they just can't get out of the cycle that keeps them homeless. Right. Um, and, like, it's, there's a lot to say about homelessness, but, like, when you have a young person who's homeless, that basically ensures that they will never stop being homeless. They will not be able to get the opportunities that they need in order to get themselves out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Unless something or someone else intervenes. Yes. And changes their position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a huge, huge issue. Uh, I mean, again, I think, well, I actually, I, I actually don't know if necessarily, like, the rate of LGBTQ plus homelessness has gone down. Only in I this, don't know. Only Deaths in, have. Deaths have, but I say that only in the sense that, you know, if you were LGBTQ plus in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you were less likely to even come out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that makes all sort of, like, information and statistics that we would have from before 
totally it's like very skewed. Yeah, it's just not representative of what the actual situation was. Exactly. Um, but I think we can move into kind of a more modern yeah, uh, yeah. time frame to talk about. Sure. Um, so well I mean, let's start talking about some good stuff. Nineteen ninety seven. I was born. Hey, me too. Yeah. Never straight. Always been gay. <laughs> basically god's gift to the gay world thank there you, you. Go. um uh i mean one of the biggest most i think probably the most well-known mm-hmm. uh i guess achievement was obviously same-sex marriage being passed. yes and that was like 2015 right yeah it was yep. i think june. june 26th yes uh i remember i cried all day i just like could not believe it. i was babysitting mm-hmm. and i heard the news i was like eight in the morning and so like yeah my brain was like oh, you need caffeine. Mm-hmm. But then I like read that and I was like, oh God, I'm going to cry. I can't believe that I can have a future. I literally, like, I, I'm, every single person that I've talked to, their account has been like immediately crying. I distinctly oh, yeah. remember waking up on that morning and like the TV is all, like almost always running and it's always on the news in my room. And so uh, I woke up and like, that was already, like, right on the news, and I remember I was so groggy, and I started reading it, and I just immediately started crying, because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that it happened. Yeah. I didn't even really know, I, looking back on it, I don't think that I was even very aware that this had gone to the Supreme Court. Oh, really? Um, I mean, maybe I I just- I had heard, but I was like, it's either gonna be really good or really bad, because people had always said that, um, if it goes to the Supreme Court, it's gonna be- probably really dangerous for us yeah um i i i mean i think my emotions about that particular event is just like completely overtaken by that morning Mm -hmm. knowing about and then you know getting on twitter and facebook and seeing everyone like celebrating i had to take the kids to the pool later that day (laughs) and like in the middle of just sort of like sitting there watching them making sure that they didn't drown i like remembered and like i started tearing up i was like everyone in my town's gonna know that i'm gay (laughs) but i didn't care i mean i've been out forever yeah um but i also immediately texted my aunt um because like she also is gay and it was just like such a nice moment you know Mm -hmm. It was very reaffirming. Um, that being said, I will say uh, a lot, not, I don't know if it's a lot, but like a notable, a sizable amount of people in the LGBTQ plus community don't view same-sex marriage as like a good thing in the sense that, really? yeah, in the sense that um, some people see, are, see it as like a way to kind of buy into heteronormativity Oh yeah, um, and assimilate to, you know, straight culture and trying to like... I guess, endear yourself to what, like, straight people want you to be. It's, it, that's, it's just, like... Yeah, I mean, I understand where that's coming from, but, like... It's also that, a huge step for people who really wanted marriage. Yeah, like, the whole thing is about, like, we need to be treated as equal citizens. Right. You know, we need to be seen as equal to these straight people who have had all of their rights since, you know, the dawn of time. Right. We as queer people should have the right to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just the same way that straight people can choose to get married or can choose to be polyamorous or Mm -hmm. can choose to never get married. Like, they don't need to have a piece of paper signed to validate them. Right. And neither do we, but we both should have the right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think another another argument was basically, and this one I do semi-agree with in the sense Mm -hmm. that now that gay marriage has... Now that same-sex marriage has been passed, um, 
a lot of people, especially allies, view it as like, ah, that's it. Homophobia is over. We mm-hmm. did it, kids. Ugh, God, and it's just not true. Yeah. That I totally see. I That is exactly yeah. what I felt afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In like the following months and stuff. And it's just... I feel like representation in terms of, like, media, mm-hmm. not necessarily in terms of, like, laws and whatever, has, like, gone down over time. Because, um, like, in the early 2000s, the L Word and Queer as Folk were both on air. Yeah. You know, it was shows that had almost entirely LGBT characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the actors were, but it was, like, groups of LGBT people as friends mm-hmm. and, like, in relationships with each other and stuff like that. It wasn't, like... Ah, the token gay friend. Which just doesn't happen, friends. It doesn't happen. It's it, the way that it's portrayed now, but it's not realistic. Like, I don't, I can't name any, like, any of that. Like, I that never I think I happens. know literally one straight person. I've got a token straight friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have token gays. I have never been the token gay friend in any of my friendships. Yeah. Like, friend groups ever. Yeah. And I think, uh pretty even what happens is like if you think that you're in a group of entirely straight people or maybe entirely or maybe straight people with like the one token gay friend i think as the years go on you'll suddenly mm-hmm. find yourselves morphing into and by morphing i just mean like discovering yeah um, realizing like more and more how you're not straight yeah and like the, your group becomes a queer group yep that's what happened I mean, there was an anime group at our school, and almost all of them um, realized that they were trans. <gasps> oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. Most of them are out. Two of them just had um, top surgery. Three. Three? No, no, sorry. No, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the people that were in the group. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of them were twins, and they both have recently had top surgery and um, uh, are on testosterone, and they're doing so great. They're Dude, so nice. happy. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, that's the other thing. I didn't even mention how, like, difficult it is to get on testosterone, mm. um, especially in Pennsylvania, because I have a friend who is um, trying to get on hormones there, mm-hmm. and he basically had to meet with a therapist to be like, yes, yes, I am trans. <sighs> yes, I do need to transition. Please give me these hormones. I my life is very difficult because no one sees me as what I see myself as. Right. Um, which, like, really sucks. It's really very difficult to get um, name HRT. changes and yeah. testosterone, estrogen. I mean, I don't really know that much about estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, in, like, these other states, meaning not Maryland. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's less difficult here, but I obviously have not looked into it. Mm-hmm. Um but actually, if you're listening to this and you want a name change, but it's very expensive, you can appeal. Um, I don't remember how you do it. I will find the post. But you basically have to appeal to someone who's in um, an office, like, of your state mm-hmm. um, and, like, show them why you can't afford it. And they'll almost always, like, lower the charge to change your name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I know it can be, like... Three hundred dollars. Yeah, it yeah, it's ridiculous, ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I want to make it entirely one hundred percent clear that like all these little things that we keep mentioning, these like seemingly insignificant laws or charges or whatever for um, these kinds of like things, like they can be pretty deliberate in trying to dampen or tamp down the presence of openly LGBTQ plus individuals. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, how many people, how many straight cis people do you know that actively want a name change? 
Like, none. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, well, I will say this, I don't know. Well, that's not true, not none, but. (laughs) I don't know how the name change charge works when it comes to marriage. I guarantee. Marriage? Yeah, like, if you want to take your spouse's last name. Oh, I think that's different. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that is different. So when it comes to actually changing, like, your first name... Because it's on your birth certificate, so it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, your birth certificate isn't going to have your married name. That would be on your marriage license. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when that change goes through, I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, name changes mainly apply to trans people who want mm-hmm. to uh, kind of make their existence feel more official or valid. Which, you don't need to change your name. Just, just for the record, you don't need to change your name to be more valid. But a lot of people want to do it and that's yeah totally... and it also helps a lot with like hiring mm-hmm. and like when you have anything to do with your legal name needing to be on stuff you want your legal name to be the name that you, you call use yourself. like exactly because dead naming can be really really psychologically damaging mm-hmm. to people do you want to explain what that is yes dead naming is when you call a trans person by the name that their parents gave them not by their chosen, chosen name yeah, um, and I, it can cause a lot of people dysphoria, which is, um, do you want to explain that one? Sure. I'm bad with words. Yeah, yeah, so dysphoria and also, like, body dysphoria mm-hmm. falls under this, is basically, like, there's a discrepancy between how other people view you and how you view yourself, and so when you're reminded that, you know, how you view yourself doesn't coincide with how other people are viewing you, it can, like, really mess you up and that you have this kind of like double vision kind of going on yes um so like dysphoria in general might entail getting called your or getting dead named um and you suddenly are reminded that you know not everyone else sees you how you view yourself there's body Mm -hmm. dysphoria which can happen on a more personal level where you know, access to top surgery is very very important for people who want to transition and, Mm -hmm. and do that part of transitioning yeah when a trans man you know has to dress themselves or shower seeing can be really bad seeing their chest can really really psychologically mm-hmm. mess them up because that's something that you see like every single day yeah um and binding is also it's can be damaging can be very very dangerous if you don't do it correctly yeah but also it's very hard to maintain like Long term. Long term. Mm -hmm. Because over time, even if you bind in the safest ways, it's still your your constricting part of the body that is not -hmm. necessarily meant to be constricted naturally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Basically, I mean, there a lot of changes need to be made on a social level, on a political level, on a judicial level, all on all levels, just to ease the way. Honestly, this is so common sense and I'm gonna sound like a neoliberal but (laughs) like just let people live how they want to live i'm i've always been severely confused by people who want to control the lives of other people when those other people are not hurting hurting other people Mm -hmm. yep trans people just like need so much and now that like gay people aren't being discriminated against for hiring um, they're not being... At, at, at a higher rate. At a higher rate, at a higher rate, yes. Yeah. Um, gay people, like, have a little bit more representation. Mm-hmm. Um, gay people are, you know, we have the marriage thing, so people see us as, you know, legitimate. We made it, kids! We're legitimate, and we are, you know, the same as everyone else is sort of the principle. It's kind of more of a symbolic right. thing than a real law that... It's a real lot, but it's not like it didn't do much 
for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to focus on what trans people need at this point. Like they're the most disenfranchised group of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And trans people of color, honestly, the most disenfranchised, like in the United States, yeah, I think. Absolutely. So, so we really like at what we can do for them. We should. Um, and that a lot of that entails, you know, contacting representatives, of course, mm-hmm. but then also donating to charities, getting involved in charities. Right. Um, the most important work probably would be dealing with um, LGBT homeless youth. Yes. Because anything you can give them will improve their futures. Mm-hmm. So. I think yeah. that's the app. I, we, I will say yeah. we didn't uh, we didn't really cover a whole lot on, like, bisexuality or pansexuality yeah. or intersex individuals or asexual individuals, mm-hmm. but, like, I mean, they all exist, they're all valid, they all belong. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, just that, that a lot of the history is centered around um, gay men and gay women and trans, trans people, people. Um, and so, like, those sort of big name labels have gotten a lot of, like, no, like, notoriety, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and, like, they're sort of the ones credited for a lot of things that have happened in history, mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah, and we just, we also especially wanted to focus on the trans aspect because mm-hmm. we feel, we're, we apologize for not having, like, a trans perspective come in for this particular podcast. This was kind of, uh, yeah. This topic was decided on kind of last minute. I mean, we didn't have we didn't have a trans binary person. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Trans can also be an umbrella term that covers um, all gender parts of the gender spectrum. Yeah, yeah. which you know, Jesse is part of that. So, yes, yeah. sincere apologies. Then no, it's okay. But um, yeah, apologies for that particular mm-hmm. thing. But but I mean, that doesn't mean that they won't be represented in future episodes. Yeah, depending true. on their willingness to be in an episode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If any of my trans friends are out there, you know how to contact me if you want to get in on this. If any of you actually even listen <laughs> yeah, to the podcast. Same. Um, one of you, I know you should be listening because I know what you do with your time. <laughs> you know who you are. I can't believe we, we were going to end on such a strong note. <laughs> you know, I feel like I just need to call out one of my friends every <laughs> episode. Like, I just can't stop myself. Um, um, but, you know, always with love. But also... I do think that their perspectives are super important and, like, obviously they can speak more on things than we can because they have actual experience. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways that you could possibly take away from (laughs) this uh, episode is that, like, we as, and I say we mainly meaning me, uh, (laughs) as, like, a cis person. Yeah, that's just you. Yes. As a cis person, like, cannot ever hope to understand what the trans perspective is like like to its fullest extent the best that we can do is just i mean use our privilege as cis people to try to better the lives of trans people yeah and as like a like a woman presenting um gender queer person Mm -hmm. like there's i mean i obviously don't understand all full perspectives of all of it either Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so just don't be shitty yeah, don't get caught in this writ race. Writ race. I've been Nicole Lotto. I've been Jesse Alpern. And please donate to our Patreon so we can stay on SoundCloud. Thank you. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. please. We beg of you. Either us or some trans organization that True. is a charity. Please. It's either us or the charity. <laughs> a hard choice, I know. <laughs> but thanks for listening. <laughs>